Welcome to another podcast by Dr. Dennis Smith, Senior Pastor of Covenant Life Ministries. To find out more, go to lifeandfocustv.com. Have you ever walked through a cemetery? You're walking through there and you see the various markers of tombstones and different names, different dates, and ever cross your mind, I wonder what that person was like. I wonder what kind of life they had. Uh, and when you look at these, uh, these different tombstones, you'll see that some of them are relatively recent, and some of them go back uh, into 1800s or beyond. And you begin to, to think about what, what, what was that person's life? When you look at someone, you say, what was that person's life like while they were on earth? And on most of the tombstones, of course, you'll see their name, but then you'll see the date of their birth and the date of their death. As you've probably heard before, it's interesting to describe that between the date of their birth and their death, normally there's a little dash. And that dash represents their entire life. And so you've got to ask yourself the question then, um, what, you get to the end of your life, you look back on it and you say, you ask yourself, what did I do during my dash? What did I do? God describes a dash this way. In James chapter 4, verse 14, says, Whereas you know that your life is even as a vapor, a mist, that appears for a short while, a little time, and then vanishes away. It's like the morning fog that's here just for a little while, and then it's gone. As you get older, you realize just how true this is. If you look back on your life, you realize how fast things went by, how your children grew up so quickly and how your family has changed and all those things that you had planned for over the years and you anticipated. It's almost like you were looking forward. You're looking forward and now you're beginning to look more and more in the backward direction, looking backward, thinking about what your life has been like. Now, God doesn't want us to focus on the past, understand but it's, in, it's important, I think, sometimes for us to just stop and take a moment and say, Lord, what am I doing with my life? Well, what am I doing with it? How am I spending this time, this dash in my own life? You know, it's what you do between the beginning and the end that makes the difference. What you do in between. So today I want to look at another very important in-between time. We won't finish this today. We'll have to finish it next week. But I want us to look at the between time, between amen and there it is. So look at the time, the in-between time between your amen and there it is. Between the time that you pray and the time that you see the answer manifested. You know, someone said that prayer is the shortest distance between the problem and the solution. We do know, we say we believe, that prayer changes things, that prayer works. Over and over again, the scripture 
says, whatever you ask, pray believing. Whatever you ask, according to my will, he says, I'll do. He hears and answers prayer. How many of you this morning, as, a, as your own confession, can wave your, wave your hand and say, I believe God hears and I believe God answers prayers? Well, yeah. We all believe that. We all say it. Now, in 1 John chapter 5, verse 14, 15, very powerful verses, says, now this is the confidence that we have in Him. Where's your confidence? In Him. This is the confidence that we have in Him that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. Well, that's what we said we believe, wasn't it? Verse 15, and if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we ask of Him. Those are strong words. Very direct, I'd say. It's, we have confidence, we know that when we pray, He hears us. And since we know He hears us, we know we have what we ask for. And then what it says? Strong words. Now, in the epistle of James, chapter 4, it tells us that the reason you don't have when you pray, the reason you don't have is because you're not asking. And that's a real problem. You have not because you ask not. Then he goes on and says, the reason you're not seeing results, the reason you're not seeing manifestations when you're praying is because you're asking for the wrong reason. You ask amiss, it says. Wrong motive. You're asking perhaps uh, with, with doubts in your heart, unforgiveness. Uh, these things can hinder prayers from being answered. Doesn't it seem strange, rather strange to you, that you and I would be surprised when we actually see our prayers answered. It's like you pray and believe God and you ask Him and it happens like, whoa, I didn't see that coming. But you know, God in His mercy sometimes will answer your prayers when you're not really walking in the kind of faith you'd be walking in. That's wonderful. But we're told that we're to live by faith. I, one of the examples that I love about this, that kind of speaks to this is in Acts chapter 12. And you remember the account of where Peter is uh, locked up in prison for sharing for his faith, for proclaiming the gospel. Now get this. He's chained with two chains. On each side there's a, there's a soldier and there's guards standing outside the gate. They didn't want him to get away. It's amazing with that type of security with one man. Verse 7, it says, suddenly, everybody say the word Suddenly. Now, suddenly is a good word. Suddenly there was a bright light. An angel appears, strikes him on the shoulder, says, get up, put your sandals on, put your coat on and follow me. So Peter left the cell following the angel. Not the time he thought he was having a vision that this wasn't real. They passed by the second guard post and they came to the iron gate leading to the city and the gate opens by itself. Can I remind you that this is not fiction? This is not just some story. That this is actually, we believe, historical fact. It actually happened. So they pass by the, the, the guards there at the post. The iron gate miraculously opens by itself. 
And they started down the street, and then just as suddenly as the angel appeared, the angel was gone. Left him, it says. Verse 11 says, Peter came to himself. In other words, he says, oh, this is not just a dream. This is not a vision. This is really happening. The Lord sent his angel and saved me from Herod and from what the Jewish leaders had planned to do to me. Here's what happened. You remember. Verse 12. When he realized this, he went to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many had gathered for prayer. They were having a prayer meeting. And he knocked at the door at the gate. And he normally had a small gate, an entrance gate. And then, of course, there was the door into the house. He knocked at the door at the gate there. And a servant named Rhoda came to open it. Now, when she recognized Peter's voice, she's coming to the gate. When she recognized his voice, she was overjoyed. So overjoyed that instead of opening the door, she left him standing there and ran back inside to tell everyone. I don't know. I just think of the expression that must have been on Peter's face. She said, Peter is standing at the door. Instead of saying, wow, that's wonderful. Well, we've been praying for that. What was their answer? Their answer was, in our dialogue, you're crazy, girl. Literally said, you're out of your mind. And when she insisted, they decided, well, it must just be an angel. Meanwhile, Peter kept knocking. And when they finally opened the door and saw him, verse 16, they were amazed. They were astonished that what they'd been praying for actually happened. Uh, any of you have, can identify with that ever happening? Mark chapter 11, verse 24. Jesus said, these are, if you have a red letter edition, this is in red letters. Whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them, believe that you receive them when you pray, and you shall have them. This particular verse has caused some confusion and contention uh, even among uh, different teachings in the church. But I think we just have to take it at face value. We have to take it as, as it actually is said to us. Sometimes we try to analyze and judge truth based upon our experiences or other people's experiences rather than based upon absolute truth. And the Word of God is absolute truth. You see, the Word of God is true whether you and I believe it or not. And the Word of God works whether or not we're seeing it work in a particular situation or whether we have seen it work in our lives before. It doesn't matter 
as far as experiences, we do not judge the reliability of God's Word based upon people's experiences. We receive God's Word as being true and determine that we're going to believe it and receive it until we see it manifested. That's what we got. You and I have got to get that down deep inside of us. This is not... This, this is not some type of spooky thing that says, well, you just need to, you just, just visualize it's real. It's important to learn to visualize in faith, to see in your heart that something's coming to pass. But this is an important thing for us to learn to do as believers. When you pray, it doesn't say if you pray. It says when you pray, believe when you pray that you receive or some translation says believe that you have already received. Now this is nothing to you. We've talked about this before. But I think we need reminded. We need to be reminded of this. Because God wants us to learn how to pray in faith. Not just in hope. Not in wishing. Or not perhaps but to pray believing. It's a powerful thing. And, and that's not just, you know, when we pray, we want to just see the answer right then, that moment. But normally that's not the way it happens, is it? Now, I think that if we could learn to pray more effectively, we would probably see things speed up. But there's a season, there's a time of waiting between the amen and the whoop, there it is. There's a time of waiting. There's a space there normally. It may just be a few hours. It may be a few days. It may be a few months. It could even be a few years. But you stake out your territory in the world of faith, in the avenue of faith, and you say, I have prayed, I believed, I received. When I prayed, I will not, I will not turn away from that. Stand. So you ask in faith. And then you give thanks to the Lord. Thanks is a faith word. You're thanking the Lord for what he's already done, even though you don't see it yet. That takes, that, that's a matter of commitment and decision there. You have to make up your mind. You have to purpose in your heart that I'm going to do this. That I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to praise the Lord right now until I see it manifested. What about that time in between the amen and there it is, the manifestation? The amen is an a, is, is a interesting little word. It's a remarkable little word. Depending on what part of the country you come from, it's either amen or amen or amen. But it's simply a four-letter word, amen. Now, it was translated from the Hebrew into the Greek of the New Testament. And it was translated into Latin and translated into English and to many other languages. It's practically a universal word. In fact, there are those who believe that this word is the best known word in human speech today. Amen. What does it mean? Well, it means it is so or so be it. If I'm saying something of scripture and, uh, and, or make a statement and you totally agree or line up with it, what do you say? Amen. That's right. Amen. 
Now, you don't say amen because I try to put pressure on you to say amen. <laughs> you say amen because I've been listening to what he's saying. And you know what? I agree with that. Now, so be it. It means I agree. It means to support, to have faith in. It means to be faithful and reliable. It means truly. When do you hear the little word amen? Well, you hear it at the end of prayer, don't you? I mean, we're just kind of taught, you pray in Jesus' name, amen. See at the end of the Lord's Prayer in some versions. That's normally when you hear, or at the end of a hymn, if you've been brought up in a little bit more of ecclesiastical circles and denominations, you sing a hymn at the end of it. Everybody sing with me. Amen. It's okay. Nothing wrong with that. I've been in some worship services uh, in my life to where every hymn they sung ended with that. And that's okay. It's just the way they did things. It was to say at the end of that hymn, so be it. I agree with that. You know, though we don't say amen at the end of every song, it might be a good idea for us to pay attention to what we sing. That's just a little add-on there. That what <laughs> Some people, people just say amen. So there are people just caught up in just the habit of saying amen. Just like there are those who get caught up in the habit. And I don't say it's a bad habit to say amen. Just like they get caught up in the habit of saying praise the Lord or Hallelujah. Now, these are strong words, great words, and we should use them more often. Can I hear a better amen? amen. <laughs> I was told a pastor should never ask that question, but I just did. But uh, I, what's always been funny to me is people that will use those words when they're inappropriate, out of place. Well, you know, Brother so-and-so is having a very tough time now. He's dealing with these issues. He's dealing again with alcoholic problems. Praise the Lord. Well, they're really struggling now financially. They're really having a hard time to make it. Hallelujah. Be careful to use these words in the appropriate way at the right time. I mean, that's, it's important. And amen is a good word to use. Don't say amen to something you don't agree with. You know that the word, little word amen is found in the Bible well over 100 times. But it's found on Facebook more than that. If you agree, say amen. The first time you find the word amen is in the, is in the Old Testament. It's in the book of Numbers chapter 5. I don't have time to go into that, but... It's not the greatest of circumstances. A woman has been unfaithful to her husband. And her husband uh, actually accuses her and brings her before the priest. Bring, he brings an offering makes to the priest. And it's to be judged as where she's innocent or guilty. And basically the priest says, if she's innocent, she's going to drink of this water. Bitter water. She's going to drink of it. And if she's fine, everything's okay, then she's innocent. But if she begins swelling and all these terrible things happen to her at this, then she's, she's guilty. At the end of that little story, it says, amen. So let it be. First time you find it in the Bible. Do you know the last time you find the word amen in the Bible? Any guess? 
Revelation. It is the very, in the very last sentence of Revelation, the very last word of the Bible is, everybody, amen. amen. So be it. I agree. This is reliable. I count on it. It's a great little word. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, the Bible says, For all the promises of God in Jesus are yes in him and amen to the glory of God through us. All the promises of God are yes and amen. So be it. Did you know that one of the names for Jesus is amen? Revelation 3.14 says, These things says the amen, the faithful and the true witness. It's talking, this is referring to Jesus. Now, Jesus frequently used the word, but he didn't use it at the end of what he was saying. He used it at the beginning. Remember that in the Bible, of him starting off and saying amen at the beginning? Well, that's because you didn't recognize the word. Because actually the word amen means surely, surely, or truly, truly. And how often when you read the scripture, Jesus starts off by saying surely, surely. And, and, and then he says, what he's going to, he finishes saying what he's going to say. But he says, with certainty, surely, truly. And when it's said twice, that's even greater emphasis. Here, here's important. Here's a little thought. He was agreeing with what he had already heard his father say and his father tell him to do. He, he was agreeing with the father before he spoke it to the people. Amen. Then there's a little word, wait. What do you do in between when you're waiting? We ain't got any folks in here that really like to wait. And you got any people that just, you know, we're as a people, we just don't like to wait. Wait means to pause, to stay in place in expectation, and also means to serve like a waiter or a waitress. But waiting is a part of life, whether we like it or not. We want things to happen yesterday, if not sooner. We live in an instant society. And we feel like giving up when we don't get the results as quickly as we want them. Don't we? I mean, doesn't, don't we face that? Psalm 27 verse 14 says, wait patiently for the Lord. Be of good courage and he will strengthen your heart. So wait patiently. Hear this. Just because you don't see any sign or any there it is, doesn't, this is double negative here, but but for any English people, don't get upset over this, but I'm going to say it again. Just because you don't see any sign or any there it is, doesn't mean that nothing is happening between or behind the scenes. Between the amen and there it is. Just because you don't see it happening. That doesn't mean that nothing's happening. There's a lot going on behind the scenes that you and I don't know about. That's where trust comes in. So the question is, what do you and I do while we're waiting? When we prayed, when we said amen, so be it. And yet, where is it? I don't see it. It hasn't happened yet. What do we do during that in-between time? There's a few things. I'm going to start with the first one today. One of the, one of the first ones, and that is um, we learn to focus. Stay focused. Now, there's two ways to wait. It seems there's two ways to wait. You can wait passively. 
When you wait passively, that means that uh, whatever will be, will be. I prayed about it, but you know, you just never know. You, know, you just never know. I hope it will. I'm wishing. As someone said, a passive person has a lot of wishbone, but not very much backbone. We need to get some backbone into our praying and our faith life. So you can just be passive. Well, maybe it will happen. Or you can be, you can, you can wait expectantly. Expectantly. That's anticipating. Like a woman that's pregnant, that's expecting, even before it shows, she's carrying that promise in her inside of her. So she starts to plan and prepare for the baby's arrival. Sometimes there's a waiting time. So yes, the time in between, one of the most important things for us to do is to stay focused. In America, it seems that we're having more and more difficulty in staying focused. Talk to teachers. Talk to school teachers. Or you just talk to parents. People, we have younger generations who are having great difficulties in staying focused. They're being distracted in so many different ways. It's important. Don't lose your focus. Don't waver. Sometimes we waver and we say, we prayed, we're waiting, everything. And, and since we don't see it happening, then we, we begin to think about it. Well, you know, I prayed and I've asked God. And, you know, maybe it's not God's will. You know, if you get to thinking that, first thing you need to do is go back to the Word, the Scripture. And see what God's will is. And pray according to His will. I don't know where it's in God's will. I don't really know where he wants me to have this or not. I just don't see how it could ever happen. I really don't see how it's possible. The Bible says that you and I are ensnared or trapped by our words. Do you know there are a lot of prayers that are undone by the words that follow, by what people say? You know, you can pray, and while you're praying, you're bleeding, receiving, you walk away from that prayer time, and you begin to say the things that are opposite. You begin to speak doubt. You begin to say all these things. You're pulling the plug on your faith. You're wavering. The scripture says, if you waver like this, don't think that you'll receive anything from God. That's pretty serious. There's great danger in us being distracted and just wavering from our focus and where we, where we started in prayer in faith. Don't let your words trap you. You and I have a choice. Sometimes people, when they've prayed for a while, they don't see the answer, they just give up. Just quit. Well, you know, I tried that one time. <laughs> Talked to someone about believing God and about faith one time and believing God for his promises and receiving their life and certain, certain things in their life and it, just talking through the word and that and I said, Pastor, you know, I tried that one time and it didn't work. Well, that's not how this works. 
You learn how to do this and you apply yourself. You look into the Word and you believe it and you act accordingly and you expect results. You expect results. You expect results. Don't base it upon past experience. Don't base it upon where you are right now. Don't base it upon other people's experiences. Don't base it on what you've heard someone else say about a particular situation. Anchor in the Word. Don't be distracted by other things that can take you away from the truth. People can give up. And then there's a lot of people who says, you know, I prayed about that and I asked God about it, but nothing happened, so I just learned to live with it. I just learned to live with it. It takes, a, it takes real courage. Now hear me in this. It takes real courage for a person who has prayed, particularly if it's about some, what we would assume is a very serious or crucial thing, and prayed and have asked God about that. And it hasn't happened yet. It takes tremendous courage for that person to continue to walk out that life of believing. It takes tremendous courage and determination that person not get discouraged and say, well, I guess I'm just going to have to live with it. Tremendous courage. I'm not saying that in, no matter what situation you're in, I'm not saying that you should live in frustration or, or anger uh, and say this, I'm miserable in the situation I am now. You, you learn to find an inner contentment from God no matter what you're going through right now. But you've determined that even though things don't seem to be happening right now, you've determined that I still believe that I will see. I still believe that it will be manifested. I still believe. Don't, don't get discouraged. Don't give up. And don't settle for less than what God has promised you. We have so much to be grateful for, don't we? And uh, whenever you go through some really difficult time or time of tragedy, it's easy to be distracted during those times by the hurt that you're feeling, by the confusion about why is this happening. It happens. When you lose someone who's very precious and dear to you, you lose a, a member of your family and, and um, you believe that they've been taken prematurely. Even though they're a Christian and with the Lord, you still believe they're taken prematurely. When, when you look at that, you've got, a, you've got a time there. I mean, God is gracious and merciful and there might be a little bit, Lord, I just really need to understand more about this. I trust you. You know, he's your father. It's okay to say, I trust you, Lord, but I'm hurting. Now, he already knows it. But it's all right for you as a child. Say, I'm hurting. And I don't know why this happened. I don't know what's going on. And, and you may sense that you're wavering for a little bit. But you know, you said, God's done a deep work down your heart. You know what's going to happen? You might be in that little world for a while. But in a little while, you're going to move right back to your focus and to the center. Say, oh, no. No matter what happens, he's God. No matter what happens, God is going to, uh, to bring good in my life and the lives around me. No matter what happens, I'm going to praise Him. I'm going to worship Him. 
But it's just because you can be distracted by so many things. You can be distracted by your own pain, by your own, the things you're going through, can't you? You can be distracted by what's going on in other people's lives. Years ago, it's been now, it's hard, hard to believe it's been that long, when, uh, when Nancy passed away and our family completely changed. Family dynamic, our anticipation of the future, everything changed. Wasn't what we expected, wasn't what we wanted, didn't have all the answers. And so what do you do when you hit a moment like that? Do you just back off and say, well, I just got to learn to deal with it? Do you get discouraged and just give up? Or do you press on in and say, God, you're still God. You're still good. I'm trusting you. And it's kind of like Peter said when he was asked if he wanted to go with those that were abandoning Jesus and not following him. Or he said, well, you, you guys going to leave also? And Peter said, where am I going to go? Who else is there to go to? Our God is a good God. Our God is the one who will meet our needs according to his riches in glory through Christ Jesus. So we come back and say, all right, all this stuff is going on, but God, I still trust you. And I believe you're going to take what the enemy intended for harm and you're going to turn around and use it for good. But you know what some of the most, you know one of the most greatest distractions during that painful time, and some of you could identify with this, is that my life, our family's life changed dramatically. And as we lived in the middle of that, it appeared, and when people, they loved us, they were around, they loved us, we knew we had support. But as we lived, it's almost like my life was locked down. And I was at a place, I didn't, no longer knew where I was going. Still trusted God, but it's like that's ended. But when I looked around, and when I would be around other people, I would hear about the family get-togethers. We're going on a vacation. We've done this. We've done that. And you know, when I heard that, it was very difficult for it not to become a distraction. Why? Because you could let resentment come up in you and say, well, it's good they can go on and have a good time. You know, they go on with their life, but look what happened in their life. And sometimes you can let pity, self-pity, come in and hinder you and distract you. Don't, no matter what you're going through, don't let pity or don't let the things you're going through, the, even the pain, don't let it distract you. Come on back in to the love of God. Know how much he loves you. Stand in his word. Be encouraged by your, by your brothers and sisters in Christ. And anticipate what God is going to manifest in your life. Folks, that's extremely important. Extremely important. We believe, we stand in faith. Don't lose your focus. Very quickly, let's go to one other little account that we've looked at in Scripture a few times. But some of these accounts you tell about just never grow tired of because every time you go back to them, you just, when you visualize it, and you, you see that these are real, this is happening to real people. Did you know these people you read about in the Bible, they were real people. Some, some, I know how silly that sounds, but you got to understand a lot of people they don't realize that they went and read Scripture. They just think they're reading something that, you know, a story or account. These things really happened. One of the most interesting things that happened in the New Testament, I think you find in Matthew chapter 14. Get this. One great miracle happened. 
The miracle of the loaves and fishes. That little bit, that, that uh, fish and chips that was multiplied to feed 5,000 men plus women and children. What a glorious time. And Jesus, at the end of that time, Jesus told Cyrus, hey, you guys, get in the boat, get in, get in the boat, launch out. You need to go to the other side. She said, I'll hang around here for a while and I'll close up. <laughs> I'll close her. And then he went away to pray to the Father. And that's just what you hear. Then meanwhile, while the disciples are out on the sea, one of those storms that came quite often on the Sea of Galilee, one of those storms starts to stir up in the wind and the waves. And, and you know how fearful they must have been. They were in that situation more than once, by the way. But you know how fearful they, they must have been. And uh, lo and behold, in the middle of the storm, at 3 o'clock in the morning, at 3 o'clock in the morning, they, there appears like there was someone walking on the water approaching the ship. Now, that would be tough any time of the day. But at 3 o'clock in the morning, come on now. And while you're in the middle of a storm, come on now. They said, whoa, this must be a ghost. But in verse 28, Jesus said, don't be afraid, it's me. It was Jesus walking on the water. Well, some people make fun of that, but you know what really happened. And here's Peter. He's always the one who just speaks up just sometimes before he thinks. But this time he said, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you on the water. Don't forget, this is during the middle of a storm. It wasn't like it had been big enough if it had been a calm sea. But if it's really you, call me to come to you on the water. He didn't say, if you read the scripture, he didn't say, Lord, if it's really you, let me swim out to you. He said, call, let me come to you on the water. I love Jesus' response, verse 29, come. Or as we would say, come on, boy. And here's what it says next. Now, I know this is something you've had in vacation Bible school. If you've been in church, heard all your life. But, you know, this is real. <laughs> Verse 29, Jesus said, come. Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water, walked toward Jesus. That must, that must have been amazing. That must have absolutely been amazing. And remember, it was during the storm. He walked on water toward Jesus. And as he was walking along and everything, what, what, then he said, now wait, this is not possible. Wait, what am I doing? That was Jesus, that's me. What, what, what am I doing? I can't do this. He was distracted, I think, by inner doubts, but he, the Bible says he was distracted because of the wind and the waves, because of the storm. It says, when he saw the strong wind and waves, when he saw. Now, what did he see while he was walking on the water? Jesus. And as long as he stayed focused, he would have arrived to be with Jesus. But when he was distracted by the winds and by the waves, 
the, and the, the impossibility of what he was doing, when he was distracted by fear, it says he was terrified and he began to sink. And here's one of the shortest prayers in Scripture. Save me, Lord. And that's a good one. It'll work. Save me, Lord, he shouted. And Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. And he said, oh, Peter, you have so little faith. Why did you doubt me? And when they climbed back in the boat, the wind calmed, the sea was calm. Storm stopped. Now, I have a tendency when I read these things to sometimes think of things that other people might not think. Maybe you do, but, but it's, uh, do you know, we know the account of him getting out to Jesus and Jesus reaching down and lifting him up. But you know he walked back to the boat on water. We don't ever stop and think about, well, it says, well, then they got back in the boat. Well, how did they get there? Did Jesus pick him up and carry him on the back? No. I believe that when he lifted him up, then Jesus, who was partnered with Jesus, who, who, Peter, who was partnered with Jesus, and Peter, who had his fo focus on Jesus, it was no longer any problem to stay focused on his destination purpose. And they got back, and they got back safely. Distractions. One of the most notable distractions we read about, and unfortunately there's a lady that gets a very bad name in this, is Luke chapter 10, the story of Mary and Martha. Everybody pretty much knows it. That Jesus is coming, there's guests is coming to eat and everything at, at their house. And uh, Mary and Martha are supposed to be preparing and getting ready. And there is Martha running around. She's the responsible one. And she's running around trying to get the house clean and get the food prepared and everything set up for guests. And there's Mary. Jesus has already arrived there and Mary's trying to get things ready. Uh, Martha's trying to get things ready. And Mary is over sitting at the feet of Jesus and just listening to Jesus. She's just over there praising God and fellowshipping and having a wonderful time while I'm over here working. <laughs> uh, so I think Martha went to Jesus for vindication. You want to be, you know, that, hey, look, Jesus, you need to tell her you need to tell her to help me. And boy, was she shocked. Jesus said in verse 41 and 42 of Luke 10, says, Martha, or as Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary or super important. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. I've often wondered what Martha did after she heard that. We're not actually told. I think she probably would have been surprised. Oh Lord, I thought you I thought you'd tell her to help me. I'm over here working trying to get something for y'all to eat and be ready and she's just sitting here but Jesus teaches a very important lesson here that you can have a whole lot of important things going on so much that you miss the important thing, the most important thing. You can sacrifice the best by staying busy doing the good. That was good enough to write down. 
You remember the account about Paul and Silas in Acts chapter 16? Here they are. They've got some more of Jesus' followers that are in prison. And they're in a horrible place, dungeon, cave, horrible place. And they're chained, they're bound, dark, damp place. All they had done was to share good news, the gospel and to obey the Lord. And while they were there, they were there, it says that they were praising the Lord. They gave, they were praying, they were worshiping, they were praising the Lord. And then it says that as they were there at the midnight hour, don't just pass over little statements about time in the scripture. Sometimes they have a deeper meaning than just telling you what time it took place. At what would appear to be the darkest, most discouraging time, they were determined not to lose their focus. Because look, it would have been easier to focus on what? I don't deserve this. I don't deserve to be chained. This is not fair. This is miserable. I'm hurting. But it would have been easy to be distracted. And one of the most, one of the easiest things to be distracted with is thinking about yourself. What you want, what you need. And there in the middle of that horrible time, they were praising the Lord and um, an angel came, the place shook. They were released from from the chains and the prison doors open. And it says that as they were praising the Lord and focusing that suddenly this happened. Because no matter what was going on around them, they did not let that distract them from where their heart, where their mind, where their focus should be. There was a book written back in the 1980s that was called Amusing ourselves to death. So it's not actually written by a Christian, uh, as a Christian book, but it predicts that we will be spiritually undermined as a culture by our amusements and by the things that entertain us. Listen now, I'll say that one more time. It predicts that we will be spiritually undermined as a culture by our amusements and by things that entertain us distract us from what's really important. And we live in a day of unprecedented distractions. All the activities and the things going on around us. 24 hours, seven day a week, news and sports and food channels and travel channels. And, and I mean, how many networks and channels are there out there now? How many are old enough to remember that the remote, I was my, I was my parents' remote. <laughs> remote. It wasn't too difficult to decide what you were going to watch. There were two, maybe three channels. And most of them were only on up to about 10 or 11 o'clock at night. When you wanted to change channels, you got up off the couch or recliner and you walked over to TV and you, TV and you turned that little knob and cranked it around the other channel. And you had this antenna. You remember, anybody ever have an antenna? Antenna? 
I should have the young people that are meeting today. I should have them out here because they'd laugh at this. We have that antenna. Any of you that had that antenna ever? It wasn't, station wasn't coming in very clear. It's kind of grainy and, you know, everything. So you send somebody out, and usually it's a kid you send out and do that to. You go out there and you grab a hold of that antenna because you could turn it face in a certain direction. And so you would turn it. We usually had to face it toward Birmingham. You'd turn it uh, uh, that way and, and we'd say, can you see it now? Can you see it now? Is it clear? But there's a lot more to distract you now. There's a lot more that can occupy your mind and that can uh, busy your mind. There are things that can distract you. You know, people can distract you. Wrong people in your lives can distract you. Wrong relationships can distract you. We'll talk more about relationships here in a few weeks. Electronic devices can distract you. Now listen, you know, we laugh about this particular item, but you know this is becoming a serious problem. Do you know that electronic devices, that media devices, that cell phones and other media devices and, and computers are becoming a serious problem? Thank God for, I mean, there's tremendous things you can do with it. And the phone's supposed to so improve our ability to communicate, but actually it's hindering it. A lot less, a lot less face-to-face and even a lot less voice-to-voice. It's more I'll just text you and send it to you, which is all right. It works good sometimes. But you know how easy it is to be distracted by those electronic devices I just, uh, to me now, I, I, it's just become kind of um, something I notice. Now, I try not to get cranky or negative about it, but I just, I just notice. It. I don't want to be this old guy that just, you know, that's looking, oh, look at all, you know what? I want, I want to see that life change, people change, different things. But, you know, we go to see some of our, our uh, grandkids play ball sometime, you get into a stadium or something like that. I just sit there for a while, even while the ball, even while the game's going on, and I look around. Do you know, I would, I would guess, I would just get, I think it pre I would guess that 75% of the people that are sitting there are on their phone. It is amazing. I go into a restaurant. You have too, haven't you? That's the funniest thing to me is to see people sitting. Uh, it'd be, it could be two couples or just an individual or just, just a couple. And they're there to be together, but they're not together. They're, each one of them's on their phone. They're off talking to someone else. With, now, how would you feel if you said, if, 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 you know, if they're going to talk to someone else while they're on the phone, how would you feel if you're just sitting there together and they decided, well, I need to talk to someone. They got them left. Distractions. It, it's crazy. And it, it's something, look, these, these can be tremendous tools, but I, I'm going to say this, and I think we're going to get more and more information about this in, in the coming months. We need to, as Christians, as individuals, as Christians, and we need to, as families and as parents, we need to be aware of the danger of excessive use of these media devices or the wrong use of them. I'm not preaching against them. I think, it's, I think it can be a wonderful thing. But it's getting to be a real problem. And it's easy to do, isn't it? 
Let me tell you, 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 set that little, you set that little iPad or iPhone, you put it in the hand of a two and three year old and they, there's your babysitter. I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but don't let them get addicted to it. You start on a long trip. Man, I remember with four kids going on a long trip. <laughs> He's on my side. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. I can, I can remember the little thing going on. You think, you know, we, are we there yet? I can remember all of that. We try sometimes put things in our hands to do, keep them busy. But my, if we live now, man, just take your phone. They'd be all right till you arrive, wherever you arrive. You know that these things are becoming a problem as far as just common decency and, and respect. Like, you know, you have a problem when you sit down to talk with people. I've been in rooms talking with people and, and even with kids that are in that room and they spend all their time, they won't even look up to say hello. They don't fasten to that phone. Folks, all I'm saying is that this is becoming a very dangerous distraction. It can cause you to lose focus and keep you from actually uh, experiencing some of the good things God wants you to experience. Kids learn just to zone out, to get in their own zone and completely ignore you. I saw this invitation where someone said, had an announcement about a party where all of us just gather and look at our phones. You're invited. <laughs> oh, man. It, it can be funny, but it can be serious. Our attention often runs in so many different ways today. You can sit down at a computer to check out a Facebook page and still be sitting there an hour or two or three hours later. It's so easy to get distracted, even by things that are okay. I'm just saying God wants us to learn how to order our lives and better focus our lives and not be so easily distracted. Stay focused. Learn to focus with intention. Once you've prayed about something, don't forget about it. Nurture it with praise and thanksgiving until you see it happens. What you do after the amen determines whether or not you will have a there it is. I will repeat that. What you do after the amen determines whether or not you will have a there it is. So it's important for us to learn to wait the right way. It's important for us to learn to do these things that will help us in the in-between time. The amen and the manifestation, there it is. The between time is extremely critical. So folks, Think about it. Think about it just a moment. Learn to stay focused with your thoughts. Be very careful what you allow. Be your attitude. Keep your attitude. Stay focused. It doesn't mean that you've got to think on Scripture all the time or that you think about these spiritual things all the time. But learn, learn, learn to focus your mind on the things that are important. Learn to focus your words. Stay focused with your words. Don't, don't let your words be filled with doubt. Stay focused. Don't let what other people say cause you to be distracted. And stay focused in the Word. Stay in the Word. When you start to feel a little distracted, get back to time with the Lord because you can stay focused when you're in His presence. The Bible says, fix your eyes on Jesus. Focus. Stay focused.
We'll pick up on this next week because I got three other things I want us to look at to help us walk and live and receive as we are in that time between the I pray and believe and amen and thank God. I see it. There it is. Would you like to see more there it is moments in your life? Whoa, me too. Let's stand. Father, thank you for a time to worship together. It's been so good. It's, it's just been good. I praise you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for each one in this room. I pray, God, that uh, we've all heard from you today in such a way that will, will help us, that, that the words today will challenge us and they'll encourage us. Well, I pray over each one in this room, God, that you've spoken your word to them, that there have been certain things in their life that you have pinpointed, that you have impressed upon them where decisions need to be made, different directions need to be taken. Encourage them. Encourage them today, Holy Spirit. Before we go this morning, one thing, because I want to, we want to make a declaration. We'll pray, we'll pray one more time before we go. If, if, if there's some particular thing, I know we could all say this applies to everyone in this building that prays, but if there's, if there's a specific thing that you've been praying about, specific one or two things even that you've been praying about, having difficulty to focus on it. You've been distracted by other things and sometimes you feel like giving up. And you're dealing with this time in between right now and you just say, Pastor, I'm going to encourage myself in the Lord today and I thank you for encouraging me. And uh, Pastor, I believe that I'm going to walk this out, stay focused, stand till I see that there it is in my life when I see it manifested, Lord. Pastor, I need great faith and great patience to stay in this place right now. And I believe that I receive in Jesus' name. Now, I just want to ask you before we go, if you're in that place in between now about some specific things that you prayed and asked for and you just, you're just declaring for the Lord, Lord, I'm going to stay steady and focused until I see it come to pass. And you making that declaration and maybe saying, Lord, help me to, help me to, to, to know how to better do that. I just want you to just very quietly where you are, just to raise your hand and say, oh, there's this I've been praying for, but it hasn't happened yet, but I'm believing God that's going to happen. I just want to raise your hand all over the building, yes. Raise your hand. It hasn't happened yet, but I'm, I'm going to stay. I'm going to stay in this place in between until it comes to pass. Father, in the name of Jesus, we believe that your word is true. We believe that when we pray in faith, you hear us. And because you hear us, Lord, we can be confident that we receive. And Lord, we want to thank you already in advance for what will happen in our lives, for breakthrough in these areas, for open doors. And Lord, no matter how long it seems to be taking and when we are tempted to be frustrated and become impatient, Lord, we will anchor into the place of refuge and courage and Lord, a place of love in your presence and we will stay there and we will press on until we see it happen, until we say, there it is. And we declare it in Jesus' name. And everybody in the house, we say, Give a good shout to the Lord. Have a great day today. God bless you.